It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Are you ready for a healthy change this spring? Then come to the brand new MUSC Health and Wellness Institute in Mount Pleasant. Cool. What programs do they have? The Health and Wellness Institute offers health coaching programs that are one-on-one and will help you make healthy choices for healthier living. Learn about health coaching today. Set up a free 15-minute virtual session with our health coach, Caitlin. Dial pound 250, then say keywords health and wellness. Once again, dial pound 250 and say health and wellness. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down with their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow but you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500 triple a heating and air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new hvac unit but you have to call today 803-677-1500 and tell them you heard about this deal on 1075 the game's gamecock central podcast triple a when you need us triple a heating and air it's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. A minute after 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, Halloween Monday. Happy Halloween to Wes, to Chris, to Preston, to all of you listening. My favorite holiday, National Candy Day. Lots of tricks if you're a Carolina fan. Treat if you're a Missouri fan. Four in a row. The, the Kentucky streak felt nonsensical, I think, to most South Carolina fans. The Missouri streak feels even more nonsensical than the Kentucky streak, and it hasn't gotten that long. But it just does not make sense that Carolina has lost to Missouri four years in a row. That's the exact word I was going to use, nonsensical, on the same page. No, I, the Kentucky one, if you actually look, and there were a couple games where like, really, you know, with Kentucky, but Missouri is like next level nonsense to me. And... You know, I mean, big big missed opportunity, right? I mean, we, we kind of covered last week the number of things that South Carolina would have done. Lots of good vibes after, you know, breaking the Kentucky streak, breaking the A&M streak, which also had some nonsense in there. And so you had an opportunity to, you know, win five games in a row. What did I say? First time since 2013, mm-hmm. you know, win three conference games in a row for the first time in a while and then break the Missouri streak. So... Certainly unsettling, and I think a lot of people, you know, looking big picture, not only at the inability to break that streak, but just 
kind of big picture in general. You know, what does it mean for the rest of this season? Um, not not as many people that want to, I think, dive into the actual, like, minutia of how the game went. We, we all saw it. It's kind of easy to digest and, and to point out kind of from a big picture standpoint what happened and why the team lost. I'm trying to think, like, Kirby owns South Carolina because Georgia's better than South Carolina. Dabo owns South Carolina now because Clemson's won a couple of national championships. Eli, The way that Eli Drinkwood seems to own South Carolina and just relish playing the Gamecocks, I'm trying to think when the last time somebody else has owned the Gamecocks soul like Eli seems to. I don't have an answer, but um, I'll say this, at least as far as Saturday, it, it didn't feel like a fluke to me. Like I, I thought... Um, you know, say what you want about their offense, man, because they, uh, they've they really, really struggled offensively this year. But I thought they had a phenomenal plan on offense. Like, they uh, they know their offensive line has struggled this year. They know they've given up a ton of negative plays. And to me, they went out there and said, we're not getting our quarterback hit today. Mm-hmm. And um, they did a bunch of different things to keep South Carolina's defensive line from pinning their ears back. Um several early um, actually touchdown drives where they had third and longs and they just said, look, we're going to throw the ball short of the sticks and we're going to let our guy potentially make you miss. And they did. They they did those things. It looked to me like they took what was there. They, um, they ran their stuff, but they did enough different stuff to sort of keep you off balance as far as running the quarterback a little bit. He was like kind of sneaky quick and um, made positive yardage. And then um, – they got the ball to those wide receivers um, in essentially the running game. I know some of those little um, jet sweep passes count as a pass, mm-hmm. but you're, it's basically the running game. They they yeah. put uh, Luther Burton in the backfield at times as well and ran toss to him. So I, I thought, you know, it was just kind of a methodical, calm approach to the game, never panicked, and um, they just sort of did their thing, you know, and they, they took their field goals, um, didn't – didn't sort of force anything, and, you know, I, I thought they had a really good game plan on, on both sides. After watching Carolina for eight games, I think seeing anybody come in with, like, a game plan is like, what is this? Um, but Will Helms was made, making this observation on Twitter very early on in the game. It's like Carolina, six sacks against Kentucky, 33 pressures against Texas A&M, and Missouri's just, I, I don't know what the official tally was. I would guess Carolina probably had fewer than five pressures, but you're right, it was absolutely just by design and you know what I was thinking the whole game is we've heard a lot about you know going back to the preseason Carolina talking about a controlled passing game short passing attack wanting to just get the ball to your guys in space what Carolina does is I mean clearly we'll just be charitable and say ineffective what a short passing game could and should look like is exactly what Eli Drinkwitz drew up for Missouri it was it was, here's a little play action, throw a quick out route to your tight end. Here's, like you said, the pop pass to keep you, to keep your, you know, to test the defense's eye discipline. Here's a little play action boot. Like, there was just so much stuff that Carolina never had a chance to even try to get it cooked. Like, you, you, I, I guess it's just a, a, amazing to see that, like, you don't have to have the best offensive line in the country to not have your quarterback be under duress for the entire day because that's what it seems like the Carolina fan base, by and large, believes. Yeah, and, you know, I think uh, for a lot of the year, Missouri has struggled to protect their passer, and they, they have gotten him hit a lot, and, and that has been an issue. So there are, you know, if South Carolina is stopping the run on first down, if South Carolina is making tackles on the outside, um, you know, you, you have guys running up on third and long, and instead of just breaking down, sort of throwing themselves 
at the uh, the offensive player. If if Carolina makes plays, then you can cut down on them being able to do those things. But you know, give them credit; they had a plan, they executed it, and um, you know, like I said, even on third and long, they said, "Look, we're going to throw it short of the sticks, but give our guy a chance." With you know, and it wasn't the same look every time; it was the same concept, same idea, but it wasn't the same exact look. Like they did enough to keep you off balance, and um, they did take a few shots down the field, but when they did. It wasn't in three or third longs where the defense is in a call that is set up for that. It was more like, let's kind of lull them to sleep, run the football to the outside, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. Oh, boom, we're going to use this, play action down the field, um, get our speedy guys matched up with your safeties or, or nickels as opposed to your outside corners. And, um, you know, I I didn't really have high expectations for Brady Cook. I didn't really think he was some great quarterback coming in. But as far as what they asked him to do, made some good throws. Preston's uh, making the running motion beside me. Ran the ball, had had a little quickness, made good decisions. Uh, I was watching the TV copy this morning, and they were saying he'd made some really bad decisions last week on whether to keep or not on zone read. He made a lot of really good decisions, I thought, on Saturday. Connor Shaw-esque performance from him, it felt like. Efficient, workmanlike, you know, didn't pop off the page, but kind of made all the plays when he needed him to. And, I mean, it, it was one week removed. Like, literally, Eli Drinkwitz was talking about this post-game. He was like, stop writing stories about benching Brady Cook and just, you know, focus on what he's actually doing. That Like, the, the Missouri fan base was done with him. But then, the, I guess, the panacea for struggling teams is play South Carolina, I guess, with the exception of Texas A&M. But, you know, just and Brady Cook looked like, I, I I don't even think and it's an exaggeration to say he looked like Connor Shaw on Saturday. Carolina had three pressures. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. According to PFF, two 36 by, last week? 33. 33. Two by Tonka Hemingway. One was a sack. And then Jordan Birch had one. That was it. Uh, Wes, can you expand a little bit more on that lulling you to sleep? Because I think that is really, that's the feeling I had watching yeah. them. And I think that's really interesting to talk about. Yeah, I mean, um, it for one, I thought Carolina, it felt like they were a little bit on their heels early on. Like, it felt like they were, I don't want to say they were going through the motions because you can't get in the guys' helmets, but it that's just the way it felt. And, uh, you know, I thought Missouri just did a good job of being, you know, hey, we're okay with getting three yards here. We're okay, um, you know, throwing the ball on a little... I mean, they were well-designed. It's like, all right, we're going to just throw the ball out there real quick. If we get one block, we're going to be able to get three or four or five yards out of this. And then they're in they're in third and three. They're in third and two. And they're, they're making first downs. And even, you know, the very first drive of the game, um, probably South Carolina's best defensive drive of the game, um, Carolina gets a three and out. They have Missouri in third and long. They just ran the football. And, mo- you know, that's the type call that your fa- your own fans are going to be like, what are we doing? It's third and ten. What? And to me, I feel like Drinkwitz just had some level of confidence that, all right, I'm I'm not going to have to score 35 points today. And, um, you know, that's the type game. You can't maybe even use that game plan if you know you're playing a team that you're going to have to score a bunch of points. You kind of have to force the issue a little bit. I think, you know, we, we talk about 
this year we've talked about playing to a score a lot. And what did we say? We said 24 points. Mm-hmm. And I, I, gotta, I don't know. I don't know if he thinks about it that way, but it felt like Missouri probably said, you know what, we don't have to score 35, 38 points today. Let's cut down. They've been a mistake-riddled um, football team. Let's cut down on the mistakes, not get this guy hit, and we're going to have a chance to, to win this game. It felt like a very um, – trying to think of the word. It felt like from a, like, game control or, like, game situational standpoint overall that Missouri just had a great plan for – they knew what game they were in. They knew what type of game mm-hmm. they were in. And their game plan matched that. And let me just say, this 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 is probably stupid, but I walked into Williams Bryce Stadium, and I looked at my fiance, and I said, "Something feels off today." It was just a different vibe. I don't know if that was like a personal bias because it was like an overcast day. Well, the crowd was terrible. There's no one there. The crowd was not terrible. The crowd the crowd on the first drive was here for it. Like, that That place was loud. Like, the it was loudest, loud, The loudest that dude. place got the entire time I was there was when they finally called a defensive holding on Missouri. The first, the, the first drive, like, the first drive, when Carolina forced the three and out, the crowd was in it, and then they weren't giving any given anything to cheer for for most of the yeah. day. But I was walking in, it didn't have that big game vibe to it. And I don't... It's a weird thing. Like, I don't know if those things are, like, is there any connection between on the field and off the field and just the the energy in the air or not? Like, yeah, I don't that, even know if that's a thing. That, but. Is the, that is absolutely a thing. If you feel it in the stands, you feel it on the field. And that's one of the mentions that I wanted to say last week is that I had an idea that this was going to be because there's only so much emotional bandwidth people have as mm-hmm. a fan base, as a player. And so we spent it all against Texas A&M, rightfully mm-hmm. so. We needed to get that. I was kind of thinking that this was going to be another game where even if it was going to be a work, I was hoping it was going to be a workmanlike type of game just mm-hmm. on the other side. I thought it was going to yeah. be 17-10. You go in there, you beat them, and you sort of move on. I, I really did have a feeling that it was going to be like that going into this well, yeah, game. I mean, you said that in the middle of last week. You were like, the crowd is not going to give you the energy like they did against Not Texas this A&M. week, just because they gave it all last week. Yeah. Yep. Well, Wes, to your point, and this is funny, because maybe there are a lot of people in the stadium feeling the same way. 402, my friend Joe texted me, said, IDK, but all of a sudden, I'm getting a weird vibe about this game. Probably nothing. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I was getting the same vibe. Like, yeah. I mean, literally, we were walking in, and I was like, this feels like it's going to be a weird day. And I didn't know what that meant, and it felt like um, it actually kind of, I don't know, some of those games back when, uh, like, when Preston was playing. Um, like, I, I remember some Lou Holtz games where Carolina just, uh, everything went wrong, but they kind of found a way to win. And I, I was sort of wondering, is this going to be the letdown game, or is this going to be the game where they take a step forward as a program because some things go wrong, they don't really play well off the off the top, and then they just find a way. It did feel like one of those days where none of the bounces were going their way either. Not an excuse at all for how they played, but it felt like none of the breaks were going their way. A really, really good team will still find themselves in the game at the end and and with the chance to win. They were not able to do that. But um, that early PI that goes against them, uh, that leads to three when it could have been a ball. One of the worst calls I've seen all year. And uh, I was like, man, not only are they not playing well, they're going to have to – 
make their own breaks in this game. And it just um, it, it did not happen. There were some bad snaps by Missouri that just like happened to still work out. I think one of them hit the ground and maybe bounced straight up to Brady Cook like a basketball. So um, I don't know. That may have, been, may have been a fever dream, but it was uh, it was I don't know. It just felt eerie in the stadium. You kept waiting on Missouri to pull the Missouri that we've seen all year. And Gabe DeArmond, who you had on last week, he texted me after the game and said that he wrote a column basically saying that Missouri won because they did not play like Missouri has played all year and South Carolina played like Missouri has played all year. More negative plays than explosive plays for Missouri. I don't know how many negative plays they had on Saturday, but not many. That was one of your key things too, right? Yeah, I mean, they just, they they shot themselves in the foot every game, pretty much every opportunity. Gabe mentioned that too, as someone that's watched every snap of Missouri this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the, the vibe was weird. The game was terrible. We found out that Carolina is not good enough right now to make their own breaks or to win those kinds of sleepy games. Uh, but more than anything, Wes, and maybe this is contributing to the vibe that it seemed like a lot of people had before the game, to bring it back to your original point, this game was won before kickoff. Eli Drinkwitz won this game in the last six days, and Carolina lost it in the last six days. That was where I started the show today. This is the first time South Carolina's lost, you know, nine games now in Shane Beamer's first uh, 21. This is the first time that I put it squarely on Shane Beamer's shoulders. This is the game that you came in with expectations as a front runner, the privilege of pressure. You know, it was your job to make sure the guys didn't overlook the game that they were. I'm not saying that they did, but for whatever reason, they came out with with not the right energy. It was it was not that was not the right game plan, not the right energy. Nothing was right for Carolina on Saturday, and it showed. Yeah, and I, it's, it's just the idea that that's sort of a team maturity or as a program um, in anything in life, whatever. You know, you just have to be there. The fireworks aren't necessary. It's not going to be every game. It's not going to be like Texas A&M. It's not going to be seven thirty. It's going to be four o'clock overcast. Maybe the stadium's light. Maybe they're late arriving. Whatever the case is. Yeah. And those are the sort of games that you sort of have to go out and, and just win regardless. Doesn't have to be pretty. And, and that's why I you know, keep saying I'm in uh, a win is a win season. And I would everybody would have been fine with however a win would have looked. They're just not mature enough as a program to go and get that particular win. Because I don't think anybody would say it's a talent type of disparity. Yeah, But those are... That's a big hump. We think the, and that's why you don't never know how football is going to go because we think the big hump is the Texas A&M game, but it's it could be, but maybe it's yeah figuring out a way to win a game when you're not supposed to. Yeah, well, the big hump in 2010, people thought it was going to be Alabama, but it turned out it was Kentucky. That mm-hmm. was kind of where they fell short. Now they did make it into Atlanta that year eventually, but um, I don't know. They, they, they got to figure out the uh, the sleepy game thing though because they're going to Nashville this week. Oh, it's not going to be hype. Uh, they, they, got, they got to find a way to make their own breaks this Saturday, but we'll have some more time to talk about that later in the week. Want to hear from you guys. It is a Reaction Monday, 803-404-6100. Got about 16,000 texts here. We'll try to get through as many as we can. Anyone that wants to get us on the phone line can do that at the same number, 803-404-6100. And you can get all of us on Twitter as well, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, at West Mitchell GC, and at GC Chris Clark. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 23 minutes after 11 o'clock on a Monday morning. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you on an overcast. A little bit of a drizzly Halloween morning. Love Halloween. Don't have any Halloween bumpers for you this hour. Can't talk as much about candy as I would like to. Um, anything that you uh, love or hate about? Uh, like, what, what's your favorite Halloween candy, Chris? Real quick. Um, Sour Patch Kids. Okay, worst, most overrated. However you want to think about it. Oh, 
Well, what do you what do you not want? I've in changed. Your I bag? used I used to like get when I would go through my kids' candy and steal all the candy, mm-hmm. which is an annual tradition. Yeah, I would I yeah, would dots. be like dots, and I would hate the Ooh, dots. Love dots. But I changed. I guess my taste buds changed. Now I like mm-hmm. those worst. Man, I don't think I have a. You know what? You know what? Actually, it's not bad. By any means, but I just don't, like, I wouldn't pick it out of, like, 50 things. Like, just a regular, like, Hershey bar. Okay. Just kind of boring to me. Fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that You know what I mean? Preston's got takes bubbling. I see it. You can see it. I'm ready. Well, here for it. Well, th- this was the first year that I got to en- enact the dad text on, on the baby's <laughs> candy. And I learned something about my wife. Shout out if you're listening. But she went for the Whoppers. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Like whoppers. I love Whoppers. I'm not a Whoppers Wait, guy. they're terrible. <laughs> I love really? Whoppers. Unequivocally. Milk ball action. Oh, yeah. they're, they're so disgusting. What about Milk Duds? Milk I think they're all in the same family. I thought that was the same thing. No, no, no. Whoppers have the, the crunch. Milk Duds are just like, just... They're good for tooth extraction. Whoppers taste like spoiled milk to me. Mm. Oh. Mm. Well, that, I guess it is malted milk, so you... Huh. It's, it's terrible. Oh, it's interesting. I, I, did, I did not know that about that woman. What's like, the first really? thing you reach for? That woman. Um, <laughs> The first thing... Well, this is probably as equal a bad take to Almond Joys. No, Almond Joys are great. They I just like make a dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I know it could be controversial, though. No, I like Mounds better. But, I'm, so I'm with them. We finally stopped by Target to get our massive bags of candy. We put it off and put it off and put it off. We finally got it uh, in the car on the way back from Target. Wife opens the bag. What do you want? Give me an Almond Joy. That was the first piece of Halloween candy that I ate this year. So mm-hmm. shout out. Mm-hmm. Wes? Uh, I mean, depends on the mood. I like a Snickers. Like, I Dog. feel like that's solid. Um, worst is uh, definitely Sour Patch Kids. Ooh. What? Worst? Oh, <laughs> wait a second. Feels mm. spicy. That's a hot take right it there. Is. Wow. No, if, I, if I'm eating candy, it's going to be chocolate. Like, that's my. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's my for thing. Sure. Um, anything chocolate, I'm here for. I'll tell you what, I don't know if it counts as candy, but a dark chocolate covered pretzels are. Mm. Probably, like, I can eat the entire bag if wow. you put one in front of me. It's pretty good. Uh, who? Somebody had some trash take on Twitter. Probably Colin Taylor. Races. Probably. <laughs> no. uh, I think Colin's probably got good candy taste, at least, right? But somebody nah. said something about Reese's <laughs> being overgiven or overrated. On, did y'all see that on Twitter? Oh, it was Dan Orlovsky. He should be banned. Yeah, he, he also has, like, uh, notorious and bad food takes, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's his thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was with Colin the other day, and... Uh, I think I told y'all this. He ordered the chicken sandwich, plain with nothing. Yeah, had nothing on. No it. sausage. It was bread. Like no sauce. No anything. It was bread and and chicken. <laughs> and it looked so good. I was like, put something on. That. It probably was. And the, the key is you hit extra pickles until extra pickles won't pop up on it anymore on the app. I agree. Yep. But ranch, buffalo, no lettuce, no nothing. Come on, Colin. But let's call him and get his candy takes. I'm sure they're bad. I did a whole food podcast with him one time. Back when I was doing podcasts for you guys, it was him. And we we were talking about this the other day. I can't even remember who was on the podcast with us. Uh, We were just talking about the best, uh, like, road eats in the SEC. It was just kind of like an off-season deal. Um, And and I don't think I realized at that point that I should not be trusting his his food Did you label it explicit? Just uh, <laughs> I should have. Well, no, because, you know, he's always got the file on the barbecue on, on Twitter and stuff like that, which is great, but... I just got a text from Colin. Oh, good. He just texts us. He's listening. He's not upset with me for calling him out on the chicken sandwich. <laughs> hey, he said there's him, nothing wrong with it. it. Ask him his Halloween. Uh, he's he's got, all right. So the the best is actually a good one. I agree with Colin on this. Twix. 
Twix mm. is great. Left or right? Okay. <laughs> um, That's a good point. Uh, What's the worst? Uh, that's what I asked him. Worst candy. Okay. I'll, I'll I'd, I'd actually I'd much rather talk about Twix. this than the game. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> so why shouldn't South Carolina fire Marcus Satterfield yesterday? I'm just kidding. I mean, we will get to that question, but I was just trying to give you some whiplash going from candy to, uh, <laughs> you know, like the hardest question that we'll have to <laughs> unpack that we should get into. Um, but well, I don't know. Do you want to say anything else about the game specifically, or should we just go big picture? <sighs> I don't. I don't know what else I've got. I mean, spe- special teams couldn't bail them out this time. Um, I'll say this about the game: it felt like every time they might have a little bit of momentum, something happened to just stop it dead in its tracks. And sometimes I felt like it was something by their own doing. Um, you know, Leggett had another good return, but it gets negated by a penalty. They did actually. That was the drive they ended up going down and scoring the touchdown on. Um, you know, it felt like they had momentum going into the half, but then they come out, um, you know, do nothing on the first drive out of the second half. Uh, even felt like they would have a big play, and then somebody on either team would get banged up, and it'd be like, all oh, stoppage of play. Yeah. And it was like every time there was a little bit of momentum, something ended it. And so there was just never any flow or rhythm. You know, a lot of that can be equated to, uh, you know, play call and execution, game plan, all that stuff. But some of it, even the stuff out of their control, just never seemed to quite go their way. I never, I've never been as constipated as I felt watching that game on Saturday. It was, I, uh, it was nauseating. Too much Halloween candy? Yeah, no, no, not, I, if anything, I feel like, like, I don't know, does that go the other way? I don't know. I don't know, yeah. We all got to go there. We, yeah. By the way, just, Colin Taylor, worst candy, bit of honey, he says. I kind of like bit of honey. I've never I eaten too. one. They're solid. It's definitely not honey though. It's just like a piece of caramel. Yeah, which no. is not honey. Yeah, but yeah. Um, mislabeled. Yeah, I'm just like so. Th- this is this is where I, I guess this puts me probably way more slob than snob. But just like, give me a 56 pound bag of Reese's and it will be gone within an hour. <laughs> but don't give me any Reese's pieces because I'm just gonna flush those. Huh. Yeah, okay. Reese's Pieces take. Different ratio. I think, do they use different peanut butter in those or something? I don't I think it's, they just use, like, grass clippings. Well, you know, they got the, uh, what are they, the, I don't know, they have the weird name. They're like the Reese's Sticks, like, bars or whatever, and then they have the Reese's Oh, well, okay, so, the so Reese's I was talking about this. Um, those are good. Reese's yeah, are does good. not sponsor the show, to be clear. But you have Reese's. You have, like, the inverted Reese's. You have the one that's, like, all peanut butter. You have the white chocolate Reese's, the dark chocolate Reese's, the Thins. The dark chocolate thins. You have the nutrageous bar. You have the uh, the big cup with the Reese's pieces in it. You have the big cup with the chips in it. You have like so many different kinds of mm-hmm. Reese's. Mm-hmm. I, I, Expert you know, over here. I, I'll, I'll eat most of them, and as you can tell, I have. Uh, but why can't I just get a dark chocolate almond joy or a mounds with an almond in it? That would be good. They stick to the brand. They stick. It's like I asked, why is Chick Fil A not open on Sundays, man? We don't do it. It's not. Come to Almond Joy and Mounds for this. So That's Almond Joy and Mounds are Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin. <laughs> Old Faithful. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. They've, yeah. Been, Re- they've been the same since I've been a wee little lad. Reese's Re- has no identity. Well, Reese, Reese's, is, Reese's is Lane <laughs> Kiffin Reese's doesn't know bit. what they want to do on offense, man. <laughs> Reese's is Lane Kiffin, which I feel like makes sense because if Lane Kiffin had been an actor, he probably would be Will Arnett, who's like the spokesperson for Reese's. So I feel like there's some, some fine parallels there. Um, all right, there's your Halloween content for the day. I would love to talk about scary movies and... Uh, you know, costumes and care. I watched Nightmare Before Christmas last night. Fantastic. But before we move on, 
just seriously, <laughs> there's not even much more takeaway from the gameplay of the game. That's so strange to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just not a lot of analysis. Uh, let me see. I, I literally have 25 unread texts that have come in just since we started talking about candy. Yes. But see, somebody the, has the, the, the. People have spoken. Yeah. But somebody had the breakdown of, I mean, I could look at it right now, but somebody had the breakdown of all the drives, and it was, oh, here it is, um, from Wayne. Carolina had 10 offensive drives. Eight of them lasted five plays or fewer, and five of them were three and outs. What else is there to say? You yeah. just you just vomit. I say this a lot, and I wish I didn't overuse my stupid saying so that they meant more when I said them. They just vomited all over themselves for three hours Saturday night. And the best thing that I have to say about the game Saturday is that it was just over three hours. It was quick and painless. It was quick. Yeah, that's true. But it, was, it was like ripping the Band-Aid off. It was just, it's just like really, really hard to watch. It was like watching Iowa. It was just... Watch your mouth. So it was painful. <laughs> yeah, well, but like does, does it, like Marshawn Lloyd, like he leaves the game and, and like you can't do anything. Like he leaves the game, the next series, three plays, negative three yards. Like you can't even get positive yards when he's not in the game. Is that the best case for Marshawn Lloyd being the single most valuable player in college football? I got I to gotta announce this question, and y'all may be able to answer. What was, was there a point in the game when Marshawn was injured, or was he kind of banged up going into the game? I, um, I don't know if he was also banged up, but there was a point um, on the rewatch. He, um, he took a helmet, like, straight to his quad. Very difficult to handle, for it sure. Was a, uh, it was one of those things where the defender had, like, some head of steam, and almost like speared him and the crown of the helmet just like jammed straight into his quad. And you could tell he was like, he like walked it off and that hurts, you know, he was, he was trying everything he could and they put him back in and, you know, I, I guess he just, he couldn't get that thing worked out. And it's one of those things you hear a bruise. You're like, Oh, you got a bruise. Mm. But I mean, they should call it a contusion. That's probably yeah, what it sounds, was. Yeah. Sounds a little bit. Or a dead leg, honestly, is what that sounds like. Yeah. He got mashed on that, but how how many plays did he make early on where he's just making multiple guys? Yeah. One miss? that came back for a hold too. That was a beautiful run. Was he as well. still their leading rusher at the end of the game? Had to be right. Yeah, Marshawn Lloyd seven, seven carries 30, 30, 30, yards. thirty yards. Christian yeah. Beal three carries three. Oh man, Preston, this is like the App State game. Mm. Christian Beal Smith three carries three yards. Juju McDowell five carries one yard. Spencer eight carries negative two yards. Well, the reason why I asked Wes that question was because there was a of note when I, um, I texted you early in the game. Marshawn had a run, one play, and then they substituted him out the game. Oh, yeah. And then they just gave the ball to CBS. And I just can't jive that in my mind. Like, if, if Marshawn is our guy. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why do you take him out just to give the ball to another running back? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. He didn't need a spell. He wasn't tired. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was asking. Maybe he was. Maybe he was banged up. In that. In, a, in, a, in that case, it's excusable. Yeah. But that just seemed like a weird combination. And so sometimes when you're watching the offense and you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on, there's weird substitution patterns that just don't. Seems like there's a communication loss either it's between the coaching staff, you know, and that could that could come all kinds of ways. Maybe Montario sends a guy in when he's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a different personnel grouping. Anything could be possible. It just doesn't seem 
uh, coherent. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, it, well, it does. Hold, hold that thought. I want. We, we need to take a break. We're, we're a little long here, but 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line. Uh, let us know. It's a Reaction Monday. I want to hear from you guys next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 39 minutes after 11 o'clock on a Monday morning. A reaction Monday here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you talking Carolina, Missouri. Uh, not much to talk about after the game. Well, a lot to talk about after the game, just not as much about the game. Carolina scored 10 points until the last play of the game, which is a quick screen to Juice Wells. Carolina had fewer than 200 yards of offense. Do you think they ran that play just to get some yards so they didn't have to answer questions about having fewer than 200 yards of offense for the game? I hope not. Because that felt a lot like Will Muschamp kicking a field goal down 30-3. to three. I hope not. I think you're overthinking that one, but, man, it was bad. It was... I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Um, not a good offensive performance, obviously, and um, not a great defensive performance either, but it's kind of overshadowed by how bad the offense was, I think. I think Defense a, couldn't get off the field. I think it's a good way to put it. Yeah, what, uh, Missouri was 7 of 11, I believe, on third downs in the first half. And it felt like they were about 6 for 6 in a row there mm-hmm. after missing their first one. And it's very, it's got, I know it's disheartening for the fans. It's got to be even more so for the players when you get them in a third down situation and then they throw the ball short of the sticks and you don't make the tackle. Yeah. Like that happened on two scoring drives. Yeah. Um, Cam missed one um, on the Missouri sideline, I think, right before Missouri went in. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, for Cam's play, at least, like, that would have been a really nice tackle in space, mm -hmm. but it still goes down as a missed tackle and a missed opportunity to get a stop there. And, and when you have a player like Cam, a player like Nick, like some of these players that have high expectations, like you, you just got to win those one-on-ones, and they didn't. Yeah, you hope your guy makes the play. And I, I thought he just went in, um, easy to say, you know, your crowd's behind you, big play in the game. I thought he just went in a little out of control because I, I think if you're if you're trying to make that tackle, you know, down in distance, like short of the sticks, you maybe have to take a little bit of a chance, like, if it's kind of one of those things where the guy's a couple of yards away, mm. you have to drop him right there. Yeah. I thought that was much more of a play of like, all right, um, break down. You have nine yards of cushion here that you can use to to get this guy on the ground. You don't right. have to go flying in there. They they had it set up where there was supposed to be a block on that play. The block never happened. Mm -hmm. The O-line never got out there. Um, but it, it was a pretty good design in that they, they had – they had four guys on the left side of the formation. Missouri did. Yeah, yeah. So it was like all eyes go that way, all eyes go that way. Then they just flipped it out to Burden, five-star guy, one of their best recruits of all time. And um, their guy made Carolina's star miss. One thing that I would like to cover in the game, just briefly, it, it kind of dawned on me when we were watching it live on Saturday that – one thing Missouri did a great job of was they made it a perimeter game. And so South Carolina, we know, remember back in the Georgia State game, they really struggled blocking on the perimeter. Um, they got better at that. South Carolina's defense has been really good this year when you think about making the opposition play like in the box, so to speak. So Kentucky, yeah, they gave up some runs to Chris Rodriguez. He had a lot of yards after contact. But 
they kept things under control. Even against Georgia State, gave up a bunch of rushing yards, a few explosive plays. They kept it under control. Um, you think about, like, throw Georgia out, that, you know, inconsequential. It's hmm. such a dominant performance by them. Half of South Carolina's defense is out. A&M, they made them play in the box. Missouri has not been very explosive this year, but to Wes's point about, like, South Carolina's defensive line had no chance to impact the game. I mean, we're I was in here last week. We were talking about, well, man, Missouri had trouble blocking Vanderbilt. You know, how are they going to block South Carolina? Well, as it turned out, it was a non-factor. And so South Carolina had a lot of issues offensively getting the ball to the perimeter. They did a few times, but mm-hmm. like Wes said, they, I remember a couple times they hit a couple little short passes to the perimeter, had some success, and then they would go backwards, you know, minus three, whatever, on a run play. So Missouri obviously wanted to make their game plan. We're getting the ball on the perimeter. Um, we're going to make South Carolina get the ball on the perimeter or beat us down the field. And South Carolina, I thought, had their worst game. I mean, perimeter-wise, blocking, most of the time, they got whooped. Um, they got whooped up front. I don't think the calls and, and the way things were administered helped them out at all. And then defensively, Missouri played sideways mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and and. South Carolina didn't have an answer. Yeah, well, I have to say I was surprised because I thought Carolina, you mentioned, you know, keeping everything contained against Texas A&M. That can be hard to do against a guy like Devon Chain, who's as dynamic as he mm-hmm. is. I, I was impressed enough with what I saw from Carolina's edge players and their linebackers, you know, being able to funnel stuff back inside. I didn't think that it was going to be Missouri of all offenses that was going to be able to expose that for Carolina. Not to say they had turned a corner, but I was like, that was a solid performance. I would not have guessed that Missouri was going to beat Carolina that way. So I, I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't know if you look at the Texas A&M game and say that was fluky or you look at the Missouri game and say that was fluky, but that's now on tape, and a lot of teams are going to try to take advantage of that in Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I think statistically better than Missouri in a lot of categories offensively this year. Like, they've put up some points at times. No, they're not. They might be. I don't know. Point is, that it's on tape now, so other teams are going to be trying to exploit that, so that's going to put more pressure on those perimeter players for Carolina to, like you said, kind of funnel everything back inside. Yeah, uh, I, real yeah, quick, Pierce, I just, I just felt like Missouri – did a good job of putting Carolina's defenders in conflict, sort of like they, you know, A&M, I never felt like that. Like, I felt like Carolina's defenders um, were the aggressors in that game. Some of it is maybe that if you're A&M, you're playing down 17 nothing from the start. So you're you're maybe pressing a little bit more. You're maybe throwing the ball a little bit more. Um, you're putting your QB in harm's way. Um you're you're probably not throwing the ball short of the sticks on third down if you're if you feel like you have to have a first down. Um, Missouri, like I said, was just willing to say, "Look, we're not getting our guy hit. Like we're not putting him in that position." When A and M was in third and long, they're dropping back trying to throw the ball, you know, down the intermediate to deeper areas to get the first down, and Carolina's just teeing off on him um, against them. You know. I, all, all those things are probably connected with as far as the eyes of your defenders where they're trying to look, all right, is this a run to the outside? Is this a QB keeper? Or are they just going to flip the ball out there to the right. to the perimeter? So, and, and again, Missouri's offense has not been great this year. So it's not like this is some unstoppable force. But give them credit. They had a great plan against Carolina. and But sometimes your plan matches up with the type of game you're in, and sometimes it doesn't. I just felt like for the game flow, the way it played out, you're playing with an early lead if you're Missouri. Um, you're playing up against an offense that is not going up and down the field on you. It took the pressure off for them to feel like 
they had to try to throw the ball down the field when they didn't want to. So um, I thought they, they really did, to go back to our point from earlier, it felt like they were kind of playing to a score and not feeling like they had to score a ton of points in this game. If you're A&M and you're down 17 to nothing, you're not thinking 20 points is going to win this game. Even with Carolina's offensive struggles, you're probably thinking, all right, we got to make up 17 points while, you know, the game is, is what, midway through the first quarter? Mm-hmm. You're probably thinking you're going to have to score at least 30 points, um, maybe more to, to win the game. So they're, they're dropping back and getting their quarterback crushed, basically. Yeah. 803-404-6100. One more segment here today on a Reaction Monday. Any final thoughts that you have on Carolina and Missouri, let us know in the Love Chevy phone line or the text line. Get all of us on Twitter as well. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eight minutes in front of noon on a Monday morning. A reaction Monday here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you. Uh, plenty of your thoughts as well throughout the course of the day today on 107.5 The Game. want to remind you, too, the Carolina Honda Powerhouse Gamecock ticket giveaway is uh, going to keep giving you Carolina football tickets throughout the course of the season. One more home game for South Carolina, so keep listening to 107.5 The Game. Carolina Honda Powerhouse, your source for Honda Power Sports, will give you another opportunity to win some tickets a little bit later on in the season. Um, before we go back out to the Love Chevy phone line and get a final word, too, Chris Clark wants to remind everybody the best way to watch college football is with a sweet setup from Integrated Media. Absolutely. Uh, so many games on uh, this time of year. We're, we're in the midst of an unprecedented stretch of football, whether it's NFL, college football. Obviously, we got MLB playoffs going on. Uh, make sure that you have the correct setup, the best possible setup, using the team at Integrated Media, Michael, Nathan. If you don't have it, if you're not very creative, if you don't have a lot of great ideas, but you have space in your home and you want to be able to keep up with all the action, just give those guys a call. Their number is 803-948-8327, or you can go to integratedmediainc.com. Learn more about what they've done in the past. They've been out of my home several times. They'll get you set up not only with the devices you need, but they'll make sure your internet signal is strong enough throughout your home, your back porch. Uh, shoot, they set up a TV on my neighbor's back porch recently that is awesome. So I've been over there to watch some games. Amazing setup. So again, integratedmediainc.com or 803-948-8327. Scott has the last word today on the Love Chevy phone line. What's up, Scott? Hey, guys. You know, outside of looking in, I just want to ask this question because, I mean, I said it earlier before this year even got started, but I want to see Shane Beamer do well. I want to see him have success. Two things I've noticed. Number one, he loves it when he wins. He gives great interviews. When he loses, he don't like those questions, and he don't give quite as good an interview, and, and I'd like to see him get better at that. But my other question is this. The best offensive performance I've seen so far since he's been there at the university is still by Joyner, who's not on the roster for the quarterback. He's not on the football field. You're struggling against this Missouri team. How do you not – why do you not put somebody else in? I know it could cause a controversy. I know it could cause maybe a rift. I don't care what the stars are by this guy's number, by his name. If you've got somebody that can bring a spark to that football team and get you a W where you need it in Missouri, how do you not do it? And if Shane doesn't do these things, I think he's going to have a short-lived career because you got to do it. It's about Ws, and that's what it all boils down to. And i got to think that somebody else could have sparked that team – at that quarterback position. 
Yeah, appreciate the call. I agree with the first point wholeheartedly. And also, I like how you said he got to get better. We obviously expect coaches to get better in certain phases of their careers, too. The interesting part about the joiners, because I've been adamant on the conversation about, you know, there's been different coordinators, different positions. He hasn't been the guy to this point. But the only thing I can keep reconsidering is that I'm judging him against an offense and an offensive system that is not working anyway. So I don't know what to think now. You understand what I'm saying? I was judging mm-hmm. him in a functioning system, but yeah. well, you feel I have to reevaluate. I feel, feel about Bell, where I'm like, oh, I guess he's not good enough to be part of the offense. And it's like, well, the offense is pretty bad, so maybe they should just do the opposite of everything they've done to this point. I think it's worth repositioning because if the offensive output, play calling is any indication, then you would have to put evaluation into that occasion also. Yeah. So you, I, I think it's all up for question. That, 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 the, the evaluation versus uh, execution, I guess dichotomy is really interesting. We don't have enough time, unfortunately, today. But I appreciate the call, Scott, and, and I want to circle back to it tomorrow because I do think it's worth considering moving forward, talking about the future of the quarterback position, not only this season, but but going forward for South Carolina. Spencer just just hasn't had had it. We, you know, we, we talked you know some specifics about the game tomorrow. I want to talk more tomorrow about Spencer's game in general, but I think it is time now to start to wonder, is there a role, maybe not for to carry on joiner, but if you want to run the ball more, if you need to change the quarterback position, if you're looking for a spark, you're clearly not going to change. You, you made it clear you're not going to change the play caller. Um, does Luke Doty give this offense a spark or another element or something just life? Because, again, you take the last playoff for South Carolina, it's fewer than 200 yards in an SEC game at home after your two biggest wins of the season. So something has to change. I think you're right about that, Scott. What it is exactly remains to be seen, but we'll continue to discuss that throughout the course of the week. Appreciate you all being with us. Sorry we didn't get to everybody. Uh, plenty of reactions here on a Reaction Monday. You can get more of your thoughts in and in the Halftime Show with Jay and Terry. That's coming up next and Heath a little bit later on today. That's all we have time for for Preston and Chris and Wes. I am Pearson. I appreciate you being a part of the show today, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Gents, let's talk Halloween for a second. What is your favorite Halloween memory? One time I saw Nightmare Before Christmas performed live at the Hollywood Bowl. Walking with your kids. It felt so magical. And after they've got their candy and they walk away. So pure. The the dad inside the house is handing you a beer. My dad, when I get home, he would have me like empty out all the candy to make sure that it's safe. And it wasn't until I was about 35 that I realized, what the He was just eating my candy. Rude. What's your favorite Halloween costume? One year, I was Matthew McConaughey's character from Dazed and Confused. One year, I was like, I would like to be roadkill. The Halloween costume was a plastic smock and then a really scratchy plastic mask. I mean, you were styling if you had one of those. Aquaman, the plastic mask cutting into your eyes, and then you get that little hole in the mouth to breathe through all night long. What's your favorite Halloween candy? What's your favorite candy, man? Anything Reese's, Snickers bars. It's all the food groups. It's a meal. You've got caramel. Yes. Candy corn. I love candy corn. Me too. Wait, really? I'm one of the small percent of people who actually really enjoys candy corn. It gets a bad rap. (laughs) Thank you so much, everyone. Happy Halloween. Halloween. Happy Halloween from the Cumulus Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe and follow us at youtube.com slash cumulus podcast. Candy corn is terrible. It's atrocious. It shouldn't be allowed. It's not a candy. Happy Halloween. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.